Has your heart ever gotten anxious? Well, most every one of us in this room, we understand that. I was remembering as I was thinking about this, when our son Colby was, I think he was three years old, Char was at home with our two children, Colby was three, Michaela may have been five or six, and another lady and her three kids under three were at our house, and Colby has always been inquisitive. And so he decided he would go out into the garage, climbed up a ladder, fell off, and he broke his arm. Now, when the call came to me, all I heard was this symphony of screaming in the background because all the children were crying except Colby. That other mother was crying because she didn't know what to do. And there was a panic in Char's voice of what had just taken place. And I remember saying, somebody has to be an adult right now. And everything went fine. I would like to say that was his first broken arm at three, but that was his second broken arm at three. He ended up having about five broken arms. One took five different casts. He was a handful. And he could create several moments where you have this anxious heart. Look what the Word of God says in Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. Because, you see, God doesn't want us to have an anxious heart. God wants us to have a heart that is filled with faith. In the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent them away, the multitudes, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him, and they said unto him, now how do you think they said this? Master, don't you care that we're about to die? Master! I think their voice got high-pitched, don't you? Master, don't you care we're about to perish? And he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And look what he said. He didn't say, well, that's all right. It's going to be okay. He did not say, well, you know, next time you'll do better. He looked what he said. He said, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? Now, I don't know what's cranking and banging up here. Is it me? It's not me. All right. Now, that'll be good on the video clip today, won't it? Yeah. Why is it you have no faith? This these are the disciples of Christ. These are the ones that spent time with Christ. And, and see, 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 we want to say, oh, God is a God of all comfort, and he is. And God is a God of mercy, and he is. But there's going to be sometimes in your life, my life, when God's going to speak to us a word that is not real comforting. He is going to challenge us where we are, where we live. And he's simply going to be saying, why are you acting like that? Well, the storm is real. The opposition is real. The enemy is real. That's why we're acting like that. But praise God, Jesus is real also, right? 
And he's in the midst with us. He's in the boat with us. And we know where we can turn to. But we've got to understand, don't wait to the last minute to turn to Christ. Always be in a position where you have turned to him already. Because Jesus was saying, I'm in control. When you don't have it under control, I'm still in control. And what happens is something comes up in our life and it creates inside of us this tremendous amount of anxiety. You see, 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 the anxiety came because God was saying at that moment, we're going to have a little test. How many of y'all like tests? All right, not anybody in here really likes tests, right? See, see, but, but we have to go through tests in life. And when you fail a test, do you know what happens? You get to take it again. And I'm on test number 6,723, I feel like, sometimes. Because God is saying, you're going to learn the lesson. And until you learn the lesson, you're going to continue to keep going through this experience. Now, it might be a different color. It might be a different fashion. It might be in a different form. But it always comes down to the same thing. Who are you trusting in? What are you focusing on? Why are you so worried? Do you know what worry is? It's the wrong type of meditation. Because we're meditating, we're focusing on what if, right? What if this happens? What if that happens? And we start getting consumed with the what ifs of life. And we completely shift our focus from Christ to what if. And do you know what happens? When you feed that, it gets worse. And then when you've got a friend who feeds it with you, it gets worse. And and what happens is it's almost like it spreads like a disease. And so, so, so Jesus is calling on the carpet and he's saying, how do you overcome this? He says, it's by faith. How do you overcome it? It, It's by, it's by faith. Because you've got to start realizing we rest in the everlasting arms of Almighty God. We have a position, a place in Christ Jesus. And the reason that we don't seem to grasp that many times is because we focus on an, an earthly perspective instead of giving a focus to an eternal perspective of God. Now, do you know what the word worry means? It means to divide, to rip, to tear apart and, and, and so, so what happens is when we start worrying, we get a divided soul. We start tearing ourselves apart on the inside out. And when we start to worry, we are communicating with our hearts that we're not trusting. And every one of us are flesh and blood. But if you're a born-again child of God, you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. You have to make a conscious choice, a deliberate choice of your mind, of your emotion, of your will, that I will focus on Christ. You see, see, part of our issue is we live in the moment because we are present tense. But God says it's all about eternity. And we have to start looking at whatever comes at us in life. It's not just a momentary thing that we're going through, but there is a future out there that God is working in the future, even in our present that we don't understand, so that we are equipped to face the future in faith. We are equipped to minister the gospel in the future. We are equipped because we have been through whatever we've been through. And God is saying, this is what I want you to grasp. I've got 
this under control. And you have to trust me. But our heart oftentimes reveals our faith or our lack of faith. And we have the responsibility as the children of God to say, Lord, I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of faith. It says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful in nothing but by everything, by prayer and supplication. Let me read it to you because I'm giving my version of it. It says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. He said, everything by prayer. Everything by supplication, everything by thanksgiving, everything by your request. He said, let everything about you. You see, and when we start focusing upon all the stuff and we start focusing on all the bad situation and the difficult times that we're going through in life, we're, we're saying to the world that, that I'm not trusting like I'm supposed to trust. Over in Matthew chapter 6, you find Jesus, he he said, I will feed you, I will clothe you, I will care for you. I've got this under control. Your job, your responsibility is to focus your life, focus your attention on me. Because you are precious in his sight. And so God will allow things into our lives. Sometimes we bring situations into our life because of behavior and choices that we make. But regardless of how the situation comes into our life, holy God is still sitting on his throne, is he not? It's not taking him off guard, has it? He is not calling an emergency meeting of the Trinity because Mark's got himself in a mess. No, he's still God. He's still all powerful. He's still working. He says, I will work in spite of what's going on. And I've got to trust in him. I've got to have faith in Christ. You all know the story about Martha and Lazarus and Mary over in Luke chapter 10. Hang on, Danny. Martha, Martha, right? Here we go again. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried about so many things. You are so concerned about so many things and you're missing what's important. See, see, your eyes are focused on making sure this is right. Your eyes are focused on meeting expectations of others, of yourself. Your eyes are focused on, on getting everything just purpose, perfect, but you're missing that, that I'm here. And I'm not only the living word, I am teaching the word. And I am present in your midst. And, and you're so caught up with everything else, you're missing it. Are you caught up in everything else and you're missing Jesus Christ? Are you caught up in everything else and you're missing the living word of God that he said, I want to breathe inside your soul. And when the word of God comes inside your soul, faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And your faith is not in the position that he wants it. He expects it to be in. And therefore, when you find yourself in a storm, you're crying out, God, don't you care that I'm about to die? And he said, oh, ye of little faith. Where is it? Have I been with you this long that you're still responding like the world responds? He said, don't be anxious. Why was Martha anxious? She made a choice. You say, well, preacher, that's not real fancy. No. But see, that's where our anxiety comes from. 
where we make a choice to focus on what's immediately right here and we're not fixing our gaze on Christ. And because we're not fixing our gaze on him, worry fills our lives. Panic fills our lives. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4. Here it says, be careful for nothing. And it says in verse 8, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will keep you. How do you get there? Well, there's four words for prayer used in Philippians chapter 6. And the first word is simply, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. Do you know what that means? That means that specific, special time you have set aside every day where you get alone with God and you pray you read the word you sing praises to him you listen to what god is saying and you pray the word of god back to the father you say oh lord jesus i'm trying not to get caught up in this and i need to pray and i'm coming before you i said i need the peace that passes all understanding inside my heart and god i'm coming because this is my time to get alone with you Now, now I find this interesting that the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. But now we have preacher schools. I think that's me. Is it my tape? See, all right, I'm going to be set free here and this microphone's going to go crazy. All right. See, the tape costs $2 and new microphone costs $2,000. All right, listen to me. They never asked, the disciples never asked them to teach us how to raise money. Do you know what the disciples asked him? Teach us how to pray. When was the last time you asked God to teach you how to pray? Because guys, I'm still learning. I'm still striving. I still don't understand. And when I think I get a little bit of understanding, I go two steps backwards realizing how much I do not know. But that's what he said. He said, teach us how to pray. And what he said is, you have to have a time where you learn to pray. How do you learn to pray? Well, look at the Bible, what Paul said. I'm not going to read it. It's Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21. Philippians chapter 1, 3 to 6. Colossians 1, 9 to 13. You read Paul's prayers here, and you're going to understand some things, some dynamics about what it means to go to God in prayer. You see, he said, you should always understand when you come to me there's no reason for you to be hopeless because I'm a God of hope, I'm a God of grace, I'm a God of confidence, I'm a God who has no limitations, I'm the eternal God and nothing's impossible with me when you get in the word of God and you start seeing who God is man, he says this is who I am it says in Ephesians 3, for this call I bow my knee when was the last time you bent your knee to God I mean, you literally got on your face before the Father. When was the last time you got down? He said, now, preacher, if I get down, I can't get back up. I'm not talking about you. I'm not, when was the last time you got so, so to the point where you just laid on your face before God and you, and you cried out to him said, oh, God, your mercy. Oh, God, I need your mind. Oh, God, I need your provision. Oh, God. God, there's got to be more than just a quick prayer as you're driving down the road. 
And so he says, here's how the peace of God that passes all understanding comes. You have a specific time. We call it quiet time. We call it devotion time. But you have a specific time where you get alone with God. And you understand, God says, I want to guide you through that. In Psalm 107, it says, and he cried out. You ever get loud when you pray? You ever cry out to God because your heart is so broken? Say, oh God, I don't understand. Well, that wouldn't be very reverent, would it? No. It might not be what you think, but it's right. Because when he gets you down that low, he likes it. And see, you can go through the Bible. God responds to loud praying. You can go through the Bible on that. But you're crying out to God. Go out in a field somewhere where nobody's around and just, just cry out to the heavens. But you cry out, you pray. Because see, if you don't, see... This anxious heart is just waiting to overtake us. Have you ever understood? God says, you you pray. It it says, be careful for another in everything by prayer and supplication. And and when he says the word supplication here, what he's talking about is you pour out. That's what supplicate means. That's the crying out aspect. It says, Psalm 63, oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. See, see, that's what supplicate, do you cry out? And then it says, it says, by prayer, by supplication is the second word. The third word is in thanksgiving. Man, this is usually our missing ingredient, isn't it? When was the last time you thanked God for conviction of sin? Because that is a gift. Because if you can sit in a church house and never experience conviction of sin, they ain't preaching Jesus of the Bible. Because Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. And the first work of the Holy Spirit of God is to convict of sin. To convict of righteousness. But the first work is he convicts of sin. That means when you do wrong, you speak wrong, your attitude's wrong, he quickens you. Now here's what happens when God convicts of sin. You will either at some point get right or you will get out. Bottom line. Because if... I don't want to deal with that. Or you understand, man, God has given you a grace gift right now. He's removed the blinders from your eyes. He's showing you. And, and that's the way lost people, they get, comp- they get confused because they, they understand that the misery that's created inside their soul because the devil's on one ear whispering and the Holy Ghost is on the other ear whispering. And, and God is saying, say, come to Jesus. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll wash you. And, and the devil said, oh, no, don't do that, brother. Look what people will think about you. And, and look how you'll be embarrassed. And he, 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 he stokes your pride. So there has to be an understanding of conviction. When was the last time you thanked God for convicting you? Guys, y'all understand, if he's convicting me, he's speaking to me. I'm glad he speaks to me. When was the last time you thanked God for difficulties and trials? Because they do come for a purpose. They come to fashion us into the very image of Jesus Christ. When was the last time you thanked God when he showed you areas in your life that were not right? And you have to make a, an adjustment. You have to make a choice. See, see, you don't whine. You don't moan. You don't complain. You get right with God. And it's a blessing that you can get right with God. It's a blessing the grace of God has extended into our lives. It's a blessing God says, by the blood of Jesus, I will cleanse you. And you are to walk in that. And you are to live in that. You are to abide in me. He loves us enough to convict us of sin. Lord, I thank you that that you're in control. Lord, I th- 
When's the last time you thanked God for stuff? I'm going to do a test. How many of you all thank God this morning you had teeth? I'm going to tell you something. You ever thought about what not having teeth would mean? Liquid diet, baby. Liquid diet. No. We take it for granted that we got chompers. But it's a blessing that we have teeth. Right? We, we have the ability to see. We have the ability to hear. We have the ability to speak. We have the ability to smell. We can experience pain as it hurts. Therefore, we know to remove our hand. See, see thank it. we take for granted so much stuff. And God says, be thankful in everything. One day I was sitting on an airplane waiting to go somewhere. And I started to write out a list. I wrote out over a hundred things before they took off the plane of what I was thankful for. I am thankful for my wife. I am thankful for my parents. I am thankful for a good church. I'm thankful for the word of God. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my dogs. I am thankful for the grace that God extends. I'm thankful for his mercy, for his forgiveness. I'm thankful that I've got hearing. I've got sight. I've got teeth. I can eat. I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus was shed on Calvary for me that I can know my God. I am thankful that he is living. He is alive. He is present tense in me. He is guiding me. He has said I've got a future for you. I have a hope for you. I am thankful. See, see, we take so much for granted we take so much for granted and when you're elsewhere you don't have things and you start realizing how blessed we are and so what God says he said you pray you supplicate you be thankful to me because I'm building up faith in you and he said, and then you make requests. You make specific requests. Y'all remember the story when, when Abraham sent his servant Eliezer out to find Isaac a wife? He prayed specifically. Eliezer did. Do you know what he prayed for? He made a specific prayer that he would know the right woman to take back to his master's son to be the bride. I'm surprised y'all don't know this story. He said, Lord... Let the lady that you want me to take back to Isaac to marry come out here and water my camels. A camel drinks 20 to 30 gallons of water. The lady came out, Rachel, and she started for two and a half hours hauling water to water this man she's never met, camels. And what Eliezer did, he got on his knees and he thanked God. Wasn't that a pretty specific prayer? I mean, she's a good woman. Ain't she? Pray specific. But here's the key. You are doing God's will. You are in God's will, you're abiding in Him. So as you're praying, you are going to be praying His will, not Mark's will. You're praying God's will be done. See, and so God says, here's the promise. When you pray these ways, the peace of God that passes all understanding, is that calmness, that tranquility, that assurance, is going to keep me. That word keep is a military term. It means to garrison. It means to protect. It means to guard. 
See, see, so, so when I see what's happening to me in life, I look at all that's going on in my life, the suffering that I'm going through, the trials that I'm going through, the difficulties that I'm going through. Man, man, it's, it's not just about me. It's God's got a plan, and he's working through this process to get that plan accomplished. You remember what they, uh, Joseph said over in Genesis chapter 50? He, he stood there and he said, You meant it evil, my brothers, but God meant it for good. Guys, it takes faith. To see that way, doesn't it? They meant it evil, but God, he meant it for good. So how do you change that anxious heart? Go to Psalm 37, and we'll run through this quickly. But how do you change, because you've got six principles in Psalm 37 that that tells you how not to have a worrisome and anxious heart. You've got four words for prayer that God says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will come into your heart. But look at Psalm chapter 37. It says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Fret not. Now, we don't use that word fretting much around here. And a lot of times we say fear not. But the word actually means don't get heated up over stuff. Anybody have a problem getting heated up? (laughs) He confessed to me last week, see? So anyway, he said, don't get heated up. Don't fret over. Don't get angry. Don't. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives inside you. Fret not. Fear not. It's an act of your will and when we start seeing that fretting coming we got to start singing amazing grace how sweet to sound out loud because our mind can't concentrate on two things at the same time and so we sing out loud or we quote scripture out loud so we fret not see so so we get our focus off of the immediate and we start looking up and we start focusing on christ so you look up and and then look what it says in verse three it says trust in the lord and do good see see trust that's faith my confidence is in him so my focus has got to be upon christ So, so he said here's the first two things how to change stop fretting start trusting and number three look at verse four delight thyself in the lord Now, this one blew me away when I looked up the Hebrew word for delight. Because I think delight means enjoy, pleasure. But what the word in the Hebrew means to delight in the Lord, it means to be pliable and soft. Hmm. What's that mean? That means when God's word speaks, I don't respond with indifference to it. Because, see, indifference creates a hardness in my life. And I am no longer pliable. I am no longer soft to his word, to his moving, to his prompting in my life. And so if I am to delight in him, I have got to be soft towards him. I have got to be soft in how I respond to what his word says. I have got to receive what his word says and make whatever adjustments are necessary. Isn't that amazing? You want to change? You stay soft to God's word. You stay pliable to the will, the word of God, the ways of God. You trust him. You focus on him. And you don't fret. You choose 
And look what it says in verse 5. And commit thy ways. Now, if you do fret not, trust, and delight, you're not going to have any problem committing your ways. Because the word commit means to stand. I have committed my ways. I'm going to stand because I will fret not. I will trust him. I'm pliable to the very word of truth, the word of God. And my behavior is going to show forth that. Does that make sense? And then he says, number seven or six, look what he says in verse seven. Rest in the Lord. You know what that means? Wait quietly. Be still and know. Why would I do that? Because he's got this under control. He's got everything under control. And so I'm going to rest in him. I will be still. I've gone through my time of crying out. I've gone through my time of praying. I've gone through my supplication, my thanksgiving. I'm now in a position where I'm just going to wait and I'm going to trust. I'm going to rest in him. And then look at verse 7 again. It says, and wait patiently for him. Now this word really messed me up. The word wait is from the Hebrew word hull. H-U-L is a transliteration of that word. Do you know what it means to wait? It means to whirl around and dance. Now, I know we're Baptists, and I didn't do that. Roll that one back. How do you dance while you've got all this stuff going on? Because you know who's on the throne. Now, the second meaning of that word, to wait, is to mean writhing in labor pain. Now, do those two fit? I'm dancing here in one minute, and I've got labor pain. Yes! Because, you see, God is birthing something inside of you, and you're not enjoying the present moment, but you know what's coming forth is to His glory, to His honor, to His kingdom. He's birthing inside of you, so you wait, you trust. Why? Because He's my God. And He says, I've got everything going the way it's supposed to. Now, how do you stop fretting and worrying? I trust that my God is in control. I trust my God hears my prayers. I trust my God. He does everything well. I will delight. I will remain pliable because he loves me. I am committed to him. I will wait. I will rest in him. And our culture says, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You got to fix it. You got to take care of it. And that's why we get ourselves in more problems and more trouble. But here's the issue. You, as a child of God, you have got to take the Word of God. You have got to apply it to your life. You've got to uh, adjust your life to it. You've got to appropriate it. You've got to let, learn to l- learn, learn it, love it, and live it. Because this is Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He is the Word of God. And God says... How do you deal with an anxious heart? You bring it under submission to my word. And you get your focus on me. Father, we bow before you this morning.
And God, I come before you asking that you would just speak into us your truth by your Holy Spirit. And Father, maybe there's someone here who is in the middle of anxiety. God, I pray that you would just work to give them your release as they yield to what your word says. Father, I ask you that you would just help us to be sensitive to your voice. I pray, God, if there's a lost man, lost woman, lost boy, lost girl here, and you're speaking into their spirit, God, they would obey you quickly in obedience. They would come to this altar, Father, and they can be shown with an open Bible how to be saved. But, Father, this is, this is for your glory, your honor. You work, God, in our hearts right now, and you just deal with us as you see fit. But, Father, we thank you that you're God, you're our God, you're on the throne, and nothing shakes you. And God, teach us to be men and women of faith. Let's stand together. We'll sing. What's God saying to your heart this morning, friends? What are you going to say back to him right now? Has he put his finger on an area of your life?